Good morning and welcome to Green Tea Conversations, the radio show that delves into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine to bring you the local experts who share their progressive ideas and the latest information and insights needed so you can lead your best life. I'm your host, Candy Brothel, publisher of the Twin Cities edition of Natural Awakenings magazine, and I am honored to bring these experts to you. Today, we welcome Matt Farron. Chief Financial Officer of Northwoods Credit Union, which has locations throughout Northeast Minnesota. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So our audience may be asking themselves, why is the CFO of a credit union 150 miles away from the Twin Cities on Green Tea Conversations? Well, I learned that Matt had studied cryptocurrency in depth for many years. And coupled with his knowledge of finance and banking, plus his ability to explain it in a way that even I can understand, I just knew he had to be on the show. So many of us have heard of digital currency, cryptocurrency, blockchain, Bitcoin, and more, but we don't always understand what it means. I, for one, can tell you I have no idea what it means. So I'm curious, is this all the same thing? Is it just a different terminology for the same type of thing, or is it completely different? So, Matt, can you help us understand what all this terminology means? Yes. Uh, Cryptocurrency introduces a lot of new terminology. (laughs) Uh, New concepts, new terminology, new ways of doing things. And some of it can be very confusing. So today, I think we can talk about cryptocurrency. And if I tell you that cryptocurrency is a credit given by a record-keeping system, that probably makes no sense. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So the best way to start talking about cryptocurrency is to take a step back and provide a little bit of background or a little bit of context on how cryptocurrency was developed. And one of the foundational concepts is called blockchain. Blockchain is a term that gets tossed around a lot, but very few people understand it, what a blockchain is. Mm -hmm. One of the easiest ways is everybody usually has a financial institution, right? You go to the financial institution, your paycheck is deposited there, You can write a check to pay for groceries or do transactions, right? Mm -hmm. Every time you do that, you get a receipt of those transactions. So, for example, Candy, you're going to write me a check uh, for some snow plowing or something that I did for you, right? Right. And you go into your check register and you write down, okay, I paid Matt, you know, five bucks for snow plowing. Wow, you're cheap. I know. (laughs) And then I take that check and give it to the bank or credit union and they have a record of it. And then the, they move that money from your account to my account. Right. We're all familiar with that. Right. In that way, you have a record of all the transactions in your account and the financial institution has a record of all the transactions in your account. Now, in today's world, with 
disaster and everything else that's happening, your financial institution will usually have a backup system. They'll take all of their records and they'll move it to a disaster recovery site in like New York. And they'll have another backup recovery site in Los Angeles and another backup recovery site in Texas. So I, you have a record of all your transactions. The financial institution has a record of all your transactions. Plus there's a record in New York and a record in Texas and a record in LA. Very easily understood. Now here's what happens when we start to develop a blockchain. For example, the record in New York, let's put somebody else in charge of that not your financial institution. Let's put Jim in charge of that record. And we'll put Sally in charge of the record in LA. And we'll put Bob in charge of the record in Texas. So every time you do a transaction, that transaction gets recorded in Minneapolis with your financial institution. Bob keeps a record. Sue keeps a record. And um, Jim keeps a record, right? So now we have multiple sets of records. If something happens to one of those records, we can go to all the rest of the records, have the history, and recreate what we need. That, in essence, is a blockchain, right? It's a series of records or ledgers kept separate from each other. Now, we would have to pay Bob and Jim and everybody else to keep that record. That happens every day with financial institutions all over the world. What happens with cryptocurrency is rather than paying Jim dollars, we're going to give him a credit to keep track of the record. The in-house credit, right? It's like if you go to a store, you buy something, you don't like it, you take it back. And rather than giving you money, they give you an in-house credit. Okay. That in-house credit is cryptocurrency, right? So if you followed me so far, you have learned <laughs> the hardest part about cryptocurrency. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's the hardest part is the understanding that we have multiple records of all the transactions in different places. Okay. So how is, how do you have knowledge of what your cryptocurrency is? I mean, we yeah. can go to our bank and we can, you know, go onto our online account and see what our, what our balance is. How do you do that with cryptocurrency? Excellent. So with cryptocurrency, what happens is all those records, instead of having my name in it, will just have my account number. Mm. And so I would log into the system through uh, an app or into the Bitcoin system, and I would ask, and I'd say, what is my credit amount? And the system would say, okay, you have five credits. And that's how I would know, and those credits are five Bitcoin, that's how much you know you have in your account. Okay. So what happens here is because the records are kept in multiple different places, 
we can actually take the record out of your financial institution. Your financial institution doesn't even have to keep the record anymore because all of the other people are keeping a record of all the transactions. Okay. You with me so far? <laughs> I'm with you so far. It starts to make. I'm a, getting a little nervous, but I'm, I'm nervous. with you so far. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So if we take, right, because Jim is in New York and Bob is in Texas, they can communicate. And if someone comes in in New York and says, hey, I need to make a transaction, that gets recorded in that record and then broadcast to Minneapolis and LA and Texas. And that way the record is all the same. Okay. Okay. So this provides a, as you said, we get a little nervous with all the records floating out there, but we've experienced in the financial world lately, some pretty big scandals. Right. Uh, in the news, the past couple of years, you've seen some financial institutions that have signed their customers up for products they didn't sign up for. Yes. Yep. And because the financial institution gets to keep the record, they if they make a change in the record, that's the proof. Well, if we've taken that record and given it to Jim in New York and Bob in Texas and a whole bunch of other people, the financial institution can't make that adjustment in the record without everyone else knowing. Okay. So that provides more security and more trust in the integrity of the record, right? Right. And there's also something about the relationship, right? I mean, we have our relationship with our local bank. We don't think about it being kept in New York and Texas and Los Angeles. We're just, we're bringing our money to our local banker and we see the people who we see all the time there. And so there's that high level of trust. Where with blockchain, you don't have that. Now, that is good and bad, right? With blockchain, so the record, one of the things that is important in the record that allows this to exist is the security. I don't want Jim knowing that Matt has all these transactions. So we take all the names out of the record and everyone just gets a number. And you have a public number that everyone can see and a private number that allows you to access your account. Okay. That way you can see the whole record, but there's no names attached to anything and you don't know who owns what. You just know what you have. And so this provides more security because in today's world with identity theft and fraud and everything else that goes on, there's a huge problem with that. So when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation and you'll continue to take us down this path of what blockchain is. So for people who want to learn more about Northwoods Credit Union, which is where Matt is the CFO, you can visit northwoodscu.org. And again, that's northwoods with an S, cu.org. To read the online version of Natural Awakenings magazine, visit naturaltwincities.com. 
You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Green Tea Conversations, the radio show that delves into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine to bring you the local experts who share their progressive ideas and the latest information and insights needed so you can lead your best life. I'm your host, Candy Brothel, publisher of the Twin Cities edition of Natural Awakenings magazine, and I am honored to bring these experts to you. So today we are welcoming Matt Farron, Chief Financial Officer of Northwoods Credit Union, which has locations throughout Northeast Minnesota. So Matt, just before the break, you are helping us to get a better understanding of what cryptocurrency is. You started to explain to us blockchain, which is the way that the transactions are tracked. And we started to have a conversation about trust and why you know, we have such a high level of trust when we're going into our our local banks. And so some people are confused or don't understand how the blockchain works and who's tracking it and that type of thing. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yes. So in regards to trust, you go into your financial institution and there's a high degree of trust there that they will keep your information confidential. So you may like your teller You may like your loan officer and have a relationship and work with them, and it's great, but you trust the organization to keep that information secure. And as you've seen over the last couple of years with fraud and hacking and ransomware and compromise, that sometimes that can be a little difficult to keep all of that information secure. Mm -hmm. This is one of the things that blockchain tries to improve on by keeping the record secure and anonymous. And so they use cryptography to encrypt everything, encrypt your number, and take any personal identifying information out of the record. So you can see what you do, but you can't see what anyone else does unless you tell them. So if you use your computer and you sign up for a cryptocurrency and you want to help maintain the record, then you'll do that. And over time, you'll have the opportunity to earn a credit with the system. And when you earn that credit, that's what we call cryptocurrency. And you can trade that credit with other people. So Bitcoin was created in 2009 And about 2011, so two years of running the system and seeing if people would use it, there was a person who got on, helped create the record, maintain the record, and received credit. And he put out a note one day and he said, I want to buy some pizza. I will pay 10,000 Bitcoin, 10,000 credit, to whoever will give me two pizzas. (laughs) And, and someone said, great, I'll do it. And it took four days for them to work out how this was going to work, right? So the guy sent him 10,000 Bitcoin and he came over and gave him two pizzas. Now at the time, the value of a Bitcoin was $0.004 or basically half a penny. Mm-hmm. 
So 10,000 Bitcoin was about 40 bucks. Okay. Right. That was the first commercial transaction. Right now, everybody knew that this guy wanted to buy pizza. So they knew that, you know, the transaction was his because he announced that. Over time, the value of Bitcoin has gone up and up and up. So now the value of Bitcoin is roughly 60,000 US dollars per Bitcoin. Oh my goodness. So the value of those pizzas in today's world is about $580 million. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But this is what happens. As more and more people join the system and help keep the record, they receive a credit. And with those credits, they can trade with themselves for goods and services. Man, I, I just can't stop thinking about that. That had to be some really good pizza. (laughs) (laughs) You would think so. so. But this is what happens with cryptocurrency, right? When it gets started, all it is is a credit in the system. It's really not worth anything until people start using it to exchange. Without this guy using it to buy pizza and other transactions, the credit would never be valuable and it wouldn't grow in value. And so, obviously, if you have a payment system like this where you can trade payments or credits between themselves, it's attractive to a lot of people. This is what banks and credit unions and financial institutions and credit card companies all over the world do, is they keep track of payments between people. So, just like you would write me a check, then the credit union or bank keeps a record of that. If you go in and pay for a good or a service with a credit card, then the credit card company keeps a record of that. We now have a lot of companies that are getting involved, like Apple Pay and financial companies. Well, they maintain all of those records. All cryptocurrency does is they take the records, they separate it, so anybody who wants to can keep the record and then encrypt it so that it's private. So is it more secure than what we have with our local bank? It can be more secure because everything is just done by a number where you have a public number and a private number. So there are no names. So it really increases security because there's nothing based upon your private information. There's no social security numbers. There's no tax IDs. There's no mother maiden names. There's none of that stuff, right? It's just a number that you know and nobody else knows. This really helps with identity theft and those kind of IT-related problems that the world is dealing with now. It does, but it also is, I mean, how many of us can't remember our bank account number? And I'm sure Ah. that's a lot fewer numbers than what... (laughs) (laughs) what our cryptocurrency number is. So how many of us would be, you know, putting it on a (laughs) post-it inside a drawer of a, which by the way, our IT people used to tell us at the college was do not do that. (laughs) But people do it all the time, right? They write it down somewhere and keep it somewhere. Well, what if somebody else gets a hold of it? Then we have big problems. Because it's so secure, if somebody else gets a hold of your numbers, 
then they're you and they have full control over all of that. Wow. And so you'll see news stories in the news where someone can't remember their number and they just lost millions of dollars of Bitcoin until they can remember the number. Or someone else gets There's no forgot password or <laughs> no. no link they could do, nothing. <laughs> wow, mm-hmm. that's really, that's scary. Because it's so secure, there's no recourse that way. Right. And so, yes, it can be more concerning of you better remember the number and you better not share it with anyone. We're going to have to go into a commercial and then we're going to come back and you're going to tell us <laughs> what happens if there is that kind of loss. What happens to the Bitcoin that was accumulated? Sound good? Yes. All right. So for people who want to learn more about Northwoods Credit Union, visit northwoodscu.org. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we will be right back. Green Tea Conversations, where we delve into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine and talk to the professionals who share their expertise on natural health with you. Today, we're visiting with Matt Barron, Chief Financial Officer of Northwoods Credit Union with locations throughout Northeast Minnesota. So just before the break, you are helping us to get a better understanding of what cryptocurrency is. And through that, talking to us about how the transactions are are kept in a blockchain. So you're helping us to understand that aspect of it and what the blockchain is. And before the break, you had told us that it's very secure, that there's no name associated with any of the accounts. So the accounts are just simply a number, a public number that everyone can see. And then there is a private number that you have to hold and keep secure. And if somebody gets a hold of that, it is no longer secure, that there is no way of stopping somebody from getting into your account. If my husband had a bunch of Bitcoin and he hadn't told me what that private account number is, and God forbid he should get into a car accident or something, um, then that is lost, correct? The Bitcoin is just, there's no way of knowing what it was. That's correct. The access to the Bitcoin is lost. The Bitcoin is still there. (laughs) It just doesn't do you any good anymore. (laughs) Exactly. Right. So thinking of Bitcoin as a credit makes a lot of sense. So you go to Walmart, you return some things and they give you an in-store credit. And on the way home, heaven forbid, you're hit by a bus and killed. Well, your husband may go in and say, my wife has all this credit, I want to use it. And Walmart will tell you, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, only your husband can use this. Now you may be able to negotiate with them and explain what happened and they work with you and you can get that resolved. On the cryptocurrency system, there's no way to resolve that, right? That credit just stays on the system. And because no one else has the private number, no one can access to it. So does it eventually get dispersed in any way? It just sits there. 
it stays there for as long as the system runs. Wow. So there's a great story. I mean, you look at the news, there's lots of great stories. There was an early adopter of Bitcoin and he had his private number and he was worried about it. And so he wrote it down on a piece of paper and put it in a safe place. Well, two days later, he was cleaning up his house, swept up the piece of paper, and it ended up in the garbage. Oh, no. Which got taken to the street and got put in the landfill. And he cannot remember the number. And it's been years. His Bitcoin is now worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And he is suing the city to try and get access to the landfill to go search for his number. Oh my goodness. Because there's no way around it, right? If you don't have your number, that's it. And the credit, the Bitcoin stays on the system forever. So we're kind of already talking about a lot of the different terminology. Cryptocurrency is associated with the overall currency. Cryptocurrency refers to the credit for the record-keeping system. Okay. So there's lots of different cryptocurrencies, right? The one that started first and is most famous is Bitcoin. There's a lot of other cryptocurrencies, like one of the popular ones is Ethereum. A few years after Bitcoin, there was an inventor who started a new cryptocurrency called Dogecoin as a joke. It's doggy coin. And he's like, this, this is nonsense. And I'm going to prove it. And I'm going to create my own cryptocurrency. Well, as a joke, it's now been adopted by a lot of people and it's growing in value. <laughs> so <laughs> anyone funny. can create, can oh, create yeah. a cryptocurrency. Yes. And so we talked about the pizza guy. Well, that's developed. So for example, um, right around this time in the dark web, there was a website called Silk Road where you could go and buy drugs. But that's all well and good, but paying for drugs is difficult if you're using your bank account. Somebody so, might find out. <laughs> yes. So the people engaging in illegal activity started using Bitcoin as currency, right? They would say, you give me X amount of drugs, I'll send you the Bitcoin. And because it's all anonymous, that really exploded the user base. That only lasted a short while, and then the government shut that down and seized all the Bitcoin. But because people started using it, it started growing. And now what's happened is early this year, Elon Musk with Tesla came out and said they would accept Bitcoin as payment for their cars. Mm -hmm. And even the city of Miami down in Florida this year, this summer, announced that they're going to start using Bitcoin for some of their transactions. So you can actually use Bitcoin and like pay your taxes or pay your utility bill. So how does that work though? I mean, if it's worth $60,000 in um, one credit, how do you use a part of a credit? Excellent. That's one of the evolution of cryptocurrency. Right. There's a number of issues. And this is one of those of how do we work this out, whether we take a Bitcoin and subdivide that into little tiny pieces and then be able to use that. 
And so that's why you have the development of a lot of different type of cryptocurrencies that have different rules and how the blockchain is created and how the credits are distributed and the value of the credits and things like that. It's hard to buy a candy bar with one Bitcoin. It's easy to spend 10,000 Bitcoins when it's only worth a fraction of the penny. You can do that, but going the other way is difficult. So cryptocurrency is really only about 13 years old. And Bitcoin was by itself for a while until other cryptocurrencies started being developed. You hit on one of the issues that needs to be ironed out going forward of how do we actually use this as a transactional currency. Most people buy Bitcoin right now and they'll buy a coin or they'll create a credit and they'll just wait till the value goes up and then sell that, right? It tends to function more like an investment. Yes. And so unless you know what you're doing, I probably wouldn't recommend doing Bitcoin because it can be very volatile, right? You can use US dollars, go buy it for 60,000. And if it falls to 30,000, you know, you lost some money there. I do have a question about that, Matt. So when you're buying Bitcoin, it's not like, I guess in my mind, I always thought it was kind of like buying stock, right? So you can buy, you can say, I want $100 worth of stock in this thing. And you might get 3.666 shares of stock. You can't do that with Bitcoin, correct? Correct. Now there's other cryptocurrencies where you can do part and they're trying to set that up so you can. And so people have set up businesses where they say, I have one Bitcoin and I'll share parts of that Bitcoin to other people. So I may have one Bitcoin and I'll sell ownership in that to my wife and my kids. So they each own a part of Bitcoin and then they can trade that part with themselves or other people. It's almost like time sharing a property. But once again, all of that happens outside the Bitcoin system, right? You would be working with me directly with that because it's only one Bitcoin. It's only one credit in the system. And so for the people who are tracking it with the blockchain, for the people who are, who are keeping the records, as you said, they're actually earning credits toward the Bitcoin, which is why they're doing it. Yes. So those are called Bitcoin miners, right? What they're doing is they're maintaining the record and they're communicating with everyone else. And for their work, they get credit in the system. They get a Bitcoin. Now, if you don't want to do that, you can go and say, here's a bunch of money. Give me a Bitcoin. I don't want to keep the record, right? You're not a Bitcoin miner, but you own part of the credit. You didn't create the credit. Someone just gave it to you. Okay. Right. So that's like going into Walmart. I returned the stuff. I created the credit, but now I'm going to give it to you. That's how this works. So you don't have to be a miner. You don't have to run lots of computers and keep the record, but you can be involved with Bitcoin and not do that. Okay. So one of my questions had been, I'm, you know, I'm thinking old school. Let's look at the ledger and see (laughs) <laughs> see uh, our, our paper ledger on how we take in debits and credits and all of that. But how is it, how is the record kept for people who are doing that for the blockchain? Like, is it something that they're actively having to do? That could be like way more than a full-time job. Yes, it can be a full-time job for your computer. 
<laughs> not for you. <laughs> right? What you do is you just hook up your computer to the network and say, okay, I want my computer to start keeping the record. You never have to look at it. You don't have to do anything, right? Your computer is part of that network and keeps a record and helps maintain that record when new transactions are created. Okay. There are people who have more than one computer doing this. They're trying oh, yeah. to earn credits. Yes. They're called mining farms, and they're huge warehouses where people will just put the computer on the shelf and put together a 1,000 computers or 2,000 or 10,000 computers, and each of those computers is maintaining the record. And because they're doing more work, they have a better chance of getting a credit when the system gives the credit. Okay. Wow, that's all very fascinating stuff, and I'm still in way over my head. One of the things that we kind of touched on earlier was the anonymity of it. Let's talk a little bit more about that as far as being able to do transactions anonymously. Excellent. As we talked about, this was why criminals started using blockchain several years ago was because it was anonymous and they could pay for illegal things like that. One of the things that's happened in the last 20 years is there's been more focus on financial transactions with the passing of the Patriot Act and we don't want to fund terrorism as a country. So looking at tra transactions and making sure those things don't happen. Well, that's evolved over the last couple of years. And right now, today, one of the things we're dealing with is Congress is looking at passing what they call the infrastructure bill. It's been in the news for months. One part of that infrastructure bill is Congress is trying to raise money to pay for some of the new spending initiatives. So when we come back, we will continue our conversation with Matt and learn how the infrastructure bill could impact the anonymity of cryptocurrency. To read the online version of Natural Awakenings magazine, visit naturaltwincities.com. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Green Tea Conversations, where we delve into the pages of Natural Awakenings Magazine and talk to the professionals who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Brockwell, and today we're talking with Matt Farron, who is the Chief Financial Officer of Northwoods Credit Union with locations throughout Northeast Minnesota. So we have been talking about cryptocurrency and the record keeping of it, which is called blockchain. And just before the break, you were starting to explain to us how the new infrastructure bill could impact the anonymity of cryptocurrency. So let's talk about that a bit more. One part of that infrastructure bill is Congress is trying to raise money to pay for some of the new spending initiatives. One of the ways they're doing that is to crack down on tax cheats. You need to pay your fair share and if you're not paying all the taxes owed, then the IRS is going to come get you. One of the provisions that has been in and out of the bill over the past couple of weeks 
is the original requirement was any account that has more than $600 of transaction, that information needs to be turned over to the IRS. That way the IRS can look and make sure the inflows and outflows, nobody's hiding any money and everybody's paying their fair share. Well, there's been a lot of pushback from the financial industry about concerns on privacy. And so, you know, they've changed that limit to 10,000 and kind of tweaked it back and forth. And it'll be interesting to see if that provision actually ends up in the final version of the bill. Let's say, for example, I am a very big tax cheat. And if I'm hiding millions of dollars that I don't want to pay taxes on, I've probably already moved to a cryptocurrency. (laughs) Right? I've already moved and I've taken my money, put in a, a cryptocurrency that is anonymous, that no one can identify with me, and stored all of my money there. This is one of those things where... You can look at it both ways, right? If you have nothing to hide, why not share your information with the world? On the other hand, I really don't want my neighbor knowing what I spend all my money on. And even if the government is responsible with that information today, who's to say what happens 10 or 15 years from now? We've had issues in the recent past. Lois Lerner was the head of the IRS And there was some problems with the politicization of the IRS several years ago. And even with payments, activists at times have tried to use the payment processing to say, well, we don't like gun sellers. So we're going to boycott you or we're going to boycott a financial institution that processes your payments until they give up. Well, this is one way to keep the payment process from becoming politicized or weaponized. And to give you an example, a couple of weeks ago, China came out and said, we're banning all cryptocurrencies. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense, right? China wants to watch where the money is. And if people are taking money out of communist China and keeping it somewhere else, they want to track that. And so there's pros and cons to anonymous transactions. And so this is where I think cryptocurrency is going to have a very interesting future, just specifically because of the anonymous nature of transactions. I mean, I can see it. It's really interesting because you you look at it as it could have some really good points to it as far as um, keeping you know, what, whatever you're doing more anonymous for yourself. But I see it a lot as <laughs> being really not good. I mean, I, I look at it as it's kind of a little scary if you think about it, just because if you wanted to do something completely illegal or you wanted to hurt someone or you wanted to do something and you wanted to pay someone with cryptocurrency, there's basically no way they would ever be able to track that. Correct. Right. And so I think we can end with this, with a story. Uh, Years ago, about 10 years ago, I was working at a different credit union. And one day, one of our interns came in and asked me, do you know anything about cryptocurrency? And I was like, no, I know that criminals use it. 
And he said, oh, no, no, I've been doing cryptocurrency and I have two Bitcoin. And at the time they were worth about $200 each. And I'm like, be careful. That's currency for criminals, right? <laughs> All the criminals are doing it. What are you doing? Normal people don't use cryptocurrency. And he's like, oh, you're old. You don't know. <laughs> so he ended up selling his two Bitcoin and going, I think he bought computer games or something with that. Well, over time, what had a bad reputation is moving more into the mainstream where respectable companies are using it and governments are starting to use it, you know, the worldwide. So for example, Venezuela is starting to roll out their own type of cryptocurrency. Venezuela has had a lot of economic problems in the last few years, uh, had some issues with inflation. And so they're rolling out their own version of a cryptocurrency which I think will be very interesting to see how that works in a government setting in that type of public domain. And so it's just like U.S. dollars. It can be used for bad, right? You watch cop shows or detective shows or mystery shows, the bad guy is always paying with cash mm -hmm. because it's untraceable. We've been living in that world for a long time. Now we're just going back to cryptocurrency or digital cash, which is untraceable. It's just the next evolution. There will be bad things that happen with it, financing of terrorists or drug deals or illegal activity. But there's also a lot of benefit to the record keeping system, uh, easier transactions, cheaper transactions, and benefit to anonymous transactions. Well, Matt, I just can't tell you enough how much we appreciate your coming on to the show today and helping us to get a better understanding of this. And I know that there is still so much more that we need to learn about this that we haven't even really touched on yet. So you have graciously agreed to come back and be on the show again next week and talk about how cryptocurrency is impacting, what the impact it will have on our world as we go forward. Does that sound good? I appreciate the opportunity to come back. There's a lot to talk about of what's happening in the world and the future of the blockchain, the record keeping and the cryptocurrencies. So I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you next week. Well, we will see you back in one week then. So for people who want to learn more about Northwoods Credit Union, visit northwoodscu.org. To read the online edition of Natural Awakenings Magazine or to check out our complete online calendar of events, visit naturaltwincities.com. You can find a podcast of this show on AM 950 Radio or Apple and Google Podcasts. You've been listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and I am wishing for you a lovely day. Love the day, love the day.